My guest today is challenging the status quo when it comes to everything in the vertical transportation business. And if you want to know more, then this is an episode that you don't want to miss. Welcome to The Road to Seven. I'm your host, Sheila Cummins. I am an entrepreneur, a mentor, an investor, a wife, and mom to three beautiful children. Women entrepreneurs are up-leveling and changing the rules for business strategy, leadership, success, money, and impacting the world every single day. The Road to Seven is the diary of business strategy for women entrepreneurs. We meet you where you're at in your business and champion you along the road to your vision. And I am honored you chose to join us today. Ready to go? Buckle up. It's time to hit the road. My guest today is Ashley Wilson, the CEO and founder at Audit Mate. Ashley Wilson is a San Francisco-based entrepreneur raised by a used car salesman and an elevator guy. Tapping into her roots, Ashley opened and sold multiple small businesses by the age of 20 until ultimately landing in the elevator business. She excelled in the industry and was leading global research projects and being mentored by the CEO of one of the leading elevator companies. It was quickly discovered that the customers were an afterthought, and she made it her mission to prove that putting people first is profitable. Ashley left the corporate world and founded AuditMate, the first ever elevator and escalator auditing and management software. Ashley is a CEO who gets results without sacrificing human dignity. In this new vanguard of leadership, if you're not values-based and human-centric in your approach, no one else succeeds. Be excellent to each other, says Ashley. And our interview is no exception. We talk about her journey of starting this completely new and innovative software that has its end users in mind and in the forefront at all times. This is a fantastic interview, and it's one that you're not going to want to miss. Today, my guest is Ashley Wilson. Now, Ashley, I've been so fascinated as I've been researching you getting ready for this interview. First off, I know you just moved yesterday, so thank you for meeting with us today. Absolutely. And secondly, have you always been in the elevator business? Well, you know, I was raised in the elevator business. So my stepdad was in my entire life. And so when he came into my life, I've been in the industry. But I didn't work in the industry until after undergrad, like early, early 20s. And then I completed graduate school in the industry. But elevators is definitely all I've known since I was a kid and sales. Amazing. That's amazing. Tell me how AuditMate came to be. It's a really unique company. Very unique. We're still the only. I'm I'm waiting for another to pop up. But but as of now, we've created the only elevator and escalator auditing software. But how it came to be is I was fascinated with the industry. I loved the mix of, you know, the blue collar and white collar for for lack of better terms. And I quickly found that skyrocketing profits were a direct result of companies not doing their jobs. Customers didn't understand their contracts. They didn't understand what they were paying for, how much they should get. The contracts are intentionally vague and confusing. 
And it came about because I don't think that customers need to be experts. They just need transparent and honest information Mm -hmm. so that they can make decisions. So talk us through how this software works. I have an apartment building and Mm -hmm. it has a couple elevators in it. How do I use AuditMate? So AuditMate manages vendors, elevator vendors, on behalf of owners with smart people and smarter technology. And the way that it works is we create data modeling around a client-specific contract, exactly what they're supposed to be getting, what parts and components are covered or not covered, and how much they should be billed. And then we audit all maintenance and elevator activity, so any breakdowns, any testing on the client's behalf, and it compares what happened to what's supposed to happen. And if there's a deficit, AuditMake ensures that the client gets it. We work directly with the vendor. We also audit all financial, any invoices or proposals, off-contract billing, anything of this sort. We're auditing to say, should this be covered? Should it not be covered? Maybe the part should be covered, but it was damaged because it's the client, right? Like a cart slamming into a door, right? That shouldn't be covered. Or is it something that happened due to lack of maintenance? We provide the customer those those expert opinions to help them make decisions easier. We mark mm-hmm. the invoices are valid or invalid. And then we're also auditing all compliance, vendor communications, repairs, breakdowns. I think the easiest explanation is we're like a property manager, but only for elevators. That's incredible. And escalators. And escalators. <laughs> Anything that lifts vertically. Exactly. Vertical transportation. Yeah, I saw that on on your website somewhere, and I thought that was such a clever turn of phrase. So I understand you've been in the vertical transportation space, but you haven't always been in the software development space. So what I think I'm understanding is you had a vision for what you wanted. Tell us a little bit about how you then created the software to support that vision. Yeah, that was difficult, right? You have to get funding before you can build the software, which means you have to convince people that you can build software when you have never done it before. Right. I have a friend of a friend that I knew that it worked in technology and we sat down with like white papers and, and, you know, mapped it out really old school. And it was a help, the help of a woman, honestly, that got me to where I am. So I was researching on LinkedIn, like non-technical founders, like what do I do? Right, Like the most basic Google searches that you could. And I stumbled across this like speaking gig that this woman had done, who was the senior vice president at Salesforce, which is the technology that I planned on using. And she had hosted an event for women on non-technical founders, how to build engineering and software development teams. I went to her LinkedIn and she had, you know, all of this experience. And then all of a sudden, like two weeks prior, it just said her name and consulting. And I was like, wait a second, maybe. And I just cold emailed her and was like, hey, I saw this event. It was from like a year ago. I'm a non-technical female founder. Here's what I'm trying to do. I need to get funding. And they believe that the company will work, but they need some backing behind me. And we jumped on the phone and she said to me, I'm happy to lend you a little credibility. And she built me a data architecture. She got on an investor call and she was like, call me if you need me. Good luck, kid. And then good to go. 
Wow. How much did you raise in that first sort of round of, of investment so you could build the software? The first round was 460000 on a at a golf course in Boise, Idaho. Not not the most like Silicon Valley story, right? Yeah. Mostly retired elevator folks. That's what I love. And so did you just have personal connections and you just reached out and said, hey, I'm building this? How did you do that? My stepdad. Honestly, I people ask me all the time, leveraging, like, what do you do? And I was like, leverage every white man around you. <laughs> leverage the connections that you have. Get into the room, right? Like, you might not have the privilege, but you probably know someone that does. And being able to get folks in that room, I can take it from there, but I don't, I don't know that sort of like wealthy people. I didn't have those sort of connections, but we were able to like do this phone tree situation in the elevator industry and get enough people in the room. And then from there, I created a pitch. Ashley, that's two big asks that you made in order to get this off the ground. And I actually want to talk about that for a bit, because one of the things that I see our women doing at the Road to Savin is knowing that they need support, but not wanting to make the ask for help. Tell me about how, how did you get yourself ready? What, you know, how did you make the ask? Oh, that's interesting. I've never been asked that question before. I don't think I saw another option. Yeah. Right. It was like do or die. And although it was the most terrifying thing I've ever done, it was also what do I have to lose? Could it can't happen. be less than zero. Yeah. And so from that point, it was like preparing myself enough to be able to answer questions that everything is theoretical, but people want an answer. And I don't think what the answer is is as important as that you have one at that right. point in the right. game. And so it's like, build your dream house. And so you know the specifications backwards and forwards, and they can change the second that you get that first dollar. It doesn't actually matter. Investors know that everything's going to change. And so my getting prepared was like, what is my dream world? I always call it Ashley's dreamland. What is Ashley's dreamland? What would I do if I could build it? with no blocks, and then have those numbers and those facts and those statistics that support the why, and then just jump. Just do it. Oh, just Right? Like, that's such a great, you know, we often talk about not feeling, you don't have to feel confident, you just have to be courageous and take the action anyway. And I think mm -hmm. that's sort of what you're saying, like, just go for it. What's the worst thing that'll happen? Confidence comes from learning and from yeah. knowing, right? Yeah. Like we're confident when we've done the behavior before and when we've never done the behavior before, we, you don't know. And I, I say this to my team all the time is, is I say, well, in more flowery terms, I say, screw it up fast, but I use a different term because until we mess up, until we have that first iteration, we can't make it better. Right. We can't innovate from nothing. So build version one so that the whole team can tear it apart and make it better. Right. It can't have been smooth sailing the whole way through building software. What were some of the biggest challenges that you encountered along building the way? Building something that people didn't want. Mm -hmm. I would say it's been the biggest one, right? I was convinced that building owners would be so excited to log into a platform and see their maintenance and what was done and 
approve invoices and see everything on one screen. And they didn't want to. And not because they didn't care about getting the maintenance. They do. But really what they care about is their budget and the elevator not breaking down. They don't really care about what goes into it not breaking down. That's my job, right? And so we built this front end interface and spent a ton of time on it, a lot of time on it. And really, folks don't want that. They want a dashboard. They want to know what they're doing. They want to be able to report to their asset manager, the building owner, whomever, the improvements or the budget savings or, you know, whatever's happened. But the the nitty gritty of it or going in and making decisions, it, they wanted it even simpler than what we did. And so from there, we created an enterprise solution, which is Automate does everything. And we'll just send you a monthly report of what we've done and the improvements that we've made. It was like simpler, 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 simpler until we got down to the, the bottoms. Wow. So how many iterations are you at now? 2.5. A lot. Yeah. Currently, we're rebuilding the entire architecture. Oh my gosh. Which is insane. Also really exciting, but letting go of that front end, you know, we haven't used it in a while, but it was still like, it still feels like my firstborn that is officially going to be done soon. But as you continue to like add on these features or learn, Hey, we don't have a way to track this. Hey, we don't have a way to track this. Hey, do we? And then all of a sudden you have this Frankenstein with all these bolt-ons that is then the data doesn't flow as easily as you want it to. And so now we're at a point we grew 900% in the last like six months. And so it was like, okay, we now have to restructure everything so that it flows the easiest way possible. How did you grow 900%? I think COVID helped How so, that sense. How did so it support you? We were, we focused on office okay. initially because for the first time ever, office property managers had time. Their offices were empty. They uh-huh. weren't slammed with tenants as they normally are. And they needed to save money. So it allowed us to have conversations that we probably wouldn't have been able to have or as easily as we wouldn't would have been able to have. Folks have never been able to save money on elevators and are often skeptical, right? It would be equivalent to me saying like, hey, I'm going to take you to a traditional used car dealership, but I promise I'm going to save you money. And you're going to be like, okay. So with people having more time, property office property managers having more time and a lot of offices were introducing like filter air filtration systems in the elevators. What I did was I was like, hey, we can loop this in, get you a new maintenance contract, lower your price enough to cover AuditMate software, and I'll package it in. I'll do all the heavy lifting for you. And you'll basically get AuditMate air quotes free. But really what we've done is we've just reduced your costs enough to cover the the air filtration system and software. And so it allowed us to grow really fast because why not? But that was such a great example of, you know, listening and seeing what's happening in the world and pivoting and jumping on it and make it making and keeping yourself relevant to what's happening. You have to. You have to. It can't always be easy. And I know, I mean, the fact that you're about to rebuild your entire architecture of your software. How do you keep going on those days where you're like, oh my God, I just 
got one more day. How do you keep going? What's driving you? People is what's driving me. Absolutely. Helping people is what's driving me. So I'm very curious. And as a kid, I picked things up and became like fully emerged in them and then would drop them really quick, right? Like the second that I had enough expertise, I was like, okay, I'm bored. What's next? And with Audit Mate, I've had to learn how to re-fall in love over and over and over again to find that overdrive that I get into. And so it's like, what area of the business can I leverage to spark that inspiration again? And so I'll go from like engineering building to sales to innovating out a new feature to different things so that I can re-spark that creativity and that drive again. And, you know, sometimes it requires putting something down, being like, I'm frustrated. I don't want to look at this anymore. Can I give it a break or delegate it or look at something else? Because it does, it can get monotonous and it being hard over and over and over again. Eventually you're like, I need some peace in these. So like, what can you do to help your brain do something easy or like stack your day in a way that's easy on your brain and works with your normal rhythm. Like I shouldn't do data work at 11 PM. Most people shouldn't. I for sure shouldn't, right? Like that's when I make mistakes. So like to do data work in the morning and say emails for the evening or like, what can we do to, cause long days, long hours. And then as you said, it can get monotonous. How many people are on your team now? 13, I think, and three engineers. Wow. 16. And are you leading them all, Ashley? Is that part of your job description? Yes. I call, I I like to say I'm a roadblock eliminator. My job is to come in and like blow up the roadblocks. I now have departments, which was a hard code switch for my brain to go from leading people to leading full team. And how do we now, we were so close and intimate that we all knew everything that was going on, whether it was in our wheelhouse or not, we still all knew. And then going to like, oh, wow, now we need this like inner department communication and leadership check-ins and making sure that communication's going all the way down or sideways or whatever. It was a bit of a rough transition, but I think, I think we're flowing now. Oh, good on you. That's part of that pivot too, isn't it? Abs- oh my gosh. Absolutely. And each level of being a CEO and a founder is mind blowing. And this like, okay, here we go again. Okay. Here we go again. And new mentors, new advisors, new, even like networks of people that understand what you're going through changes when you're growing and scaling that rapidly, you have to reintroduce to new folks that can help you along the way. Yeah. Your business up levels, you got to up level your, your peeps too. Yeah. Amazing. So I got two questions and I'm going to let you go. I just think your journey is just so fascinating. And I just, before we close off, I just have to say that I, like, I appreciate you're in the elevator auditing software business, but when you read all of your business communiques, your websites, You're all about the people that you're serving. It is literally front and center of everything. And so just from the outside looking in, I just want to applaud you because I think that is so difficult in your field 
but you've done it beautifully. And for anybody who's listening, go and check out auditmate.com and look at the brand positioning and see that it's not just about the software. It's actually about the impact. And I just, I just wanted to make sure that I said that before we closed off. So here's my final two questions. First thing, what do you know now that you wished you knew when you were starting? Nobody knows what they're doing. Mm. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, I, I mean, I went to graduate school, right? I was like, I'm good. And then you enter into this like startup world and you're like, what's a cap table? How do, how do the equity split? What's the difference between a safe and a convertible note? And how are people evaluating businesses? And all of these questions and unknown that seems like everybody knows what they're doing and everybody knows some secret algorithm that I didn't know. And it's all made up. It's literally all made up. And the second that I was like, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier of like, just have the confidence in the answer. At that stage, when you're pitching an idea, you're not pitching a business. It's all about confidence and no one actually knows. And so if you get into a meeting with an investor and they're like, I think you're valued at this, that can make you feel two inches big. But the only thing that changes that is being like, no, it's not. And here's why the argument is the only thing of, of, of value. No one knows your business better than you do ever. And someone may be smarter than you in accounting or in business development or in this or in that. We can't be the expert in everything, but your gut is right. So just like go in and have, have the, do whatever you need to do to make you more confident. For me, it's like statistics, facts, analytical type things makes me feel better writing it out, like stream of consciousness, writing it out. But once I learned that no one really knows, it felt a little more equitable. Um, nobody really knows. And yet here we are today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you still have your original investors in, in your company? Yes. Yeah. Do you have and they've all, pretty much all of them have reinvested. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Good on you. Tell me what's next for Audit Mate. Where are we going to see you going next year? Going into retail? Which is really exciting. Expanding more on the East Coast. I'm a West Coast baby. So this is really where we, we started. East Coast is a whole different game. And so I'm excited to get into New York City, go down south to Texas, and then just really expand into all the verticals. And are you integrating into those areas or do you have a sales, sales team that's doing that? I'm still pretty involved. Founder led sales, I think will it, it just, it's really key in the beginning. Definitely pushes me out of my comfort zone, but it makes all the difference in the world. So I'll continue to be visible, apparent in, in these, especially probably the next few years, yeah. but I have salespeople that support me. So you go in and open the door and they go in and close the door. That's right. I love it. Right on. Roadblock eliminator, right? Yeah. <laughs> I love that term. A roadblock eliminator. Working on the vertical transportation. Amazing. Ashley, thank you for your time today. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for your nuggets and your insights. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been it's a lovely. pleasure. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Thanks so much. After the recording, Ashley and I 
kept on chatting. She just is so intriguing and so fascinating. And I asked her a question that I wish I had asked during the recording, but I want to tell you about her answer because I think it's important that you hear it. I asked her what it was like to be a woman in a man world when it comes to the vertical transportation business. She is usually the only woman in a room when it comes to meetings or pitching or working with her clients. And I just wanted to know what it was like. And she said, you know, Sheila, I experienced the biggest growth when I showed up as me. And lately, I've been louder. I've been louder. I've been more vocal. I'm putting myself out there. I'm putting my queerness on display. I'm sharing my tattoos. I look different than everybody else at the table. And it feels great. She said, it's also working in my favor because as I show up and lead more authentically, then my team shows up and works better. And so I just wanted to add this on to the end of our interview because I wished I had had it recorded, but I didn't. And I know that you may need to be hearing that you get to show up exactly as who you are, putting yourself out there in all of your glory, in all of your differences, in all of your past experiences, in all of your cultures. Own it. Put it out there and step in because that is when your true magic is going to happen. Thank you for listening to The Road to Seven. If you found value in what you've heard today, please leave us a five-star rating and a written review. You might just get a shout-out on an upcoming episode, and you never know when I'm going to be mailing some surprise treats to our reviewers. Make sure to subscribe so you automatically get notified when new episodes are released. Are you looking for a way to connect with other entrepreneurs that are facing the same challenges as you? I'd love to connect with you in the Road to 7 Facebook group on Instagram and LinkedIn. Just head to SheilaCummins.com. You will find all the links that you need right there. Together, we'll explore more ways to support your shift into action so that you can grow your business to finally match your vision. I love aligning your vision of success with strategic and intentional actions because that is how we will grow your business to match your vision. I focus on women, all women, because women hold the keys and the power to creating a powerful and positive world through their impact. We'll see you on the next episode.